Welcome to the Noisecast. This is Alberto, and you are here with us on an off week. Uh, Paul's not in the booth today, uh, but we do have an interview with veteran f- filmmaker and photographer Julian David Stone, and we got a chance to talk about his book, No Cameras Allowed, My Career as an Outlaw Rock and Roll Photographer. Check it out. Welcome everyone uh, to the Noisecast. It's Alberto here again, and today I have a very special guest with us. We're doing a sit-down interview with uh, Mr. Julian David Stone. For those that don't know, uh, Julian has been a professional photographer who got his start uh, in the rock and roll scene. Julian, say hello to everyone. Uh, Great to be on your show. This is Julian David Stone, the author of No Cameras Allowed, My Career as an Outlaw Rock and Roll Photographer, 1981 to 1987. Awesome. Awesome. And, you know, for those that don't know, this is a completely self-published book. Um, you pretty much did this. Uh, is, it, was this as much a, a labor of love as it was uh, a matter of like getting a, a book out? Because I know this isn't your first book. Uh, that's correct. It was a labor of love. Um, yeah, th- this really started about two years ago when um, Prince and David Bowie passed away, and I posted some pictures I had taken of them back in the 1980s on Facebook, and I suddenly got inundated by all these people you know, asking, why do you have these pictures? How did you take them? And I started to sort of reminisce a little bit, and there were some people who I'm Facebook friends with who were friends of mine back then, 30, 35 years ago, and they started reminding me of the adventures I'd had, and we were talking, you know, it just sort of all came up, and somebody suggested that I do a book. And the more I thought about it, I realized, you know, that it was a great idea because I had this huge archive of all these pictures that I had taken by smuggling my equipment into shows, back in the 1980s that nobody had ever seen before. So that's what it grew out of. I did a Kickstarter campaign uh, to, to raise money, which went really, really well. I ended up with uh, over one and a half times what I was looking for. And that sort of jumped me into putting the whole project together. Awesome. Awesome. And that's always really great to, um, to hear. Uh, I'm a big fan of uh, photography in general, but there's something about concert photography that I feel, especially like the images that you took, like there's something about an unauthorized uh, look into, you know, a set that you just don't get from, <clears throat> excuse me, from uh, official you know, backstage pass, all access pass carrying photographers. Um, you know, you mentioned that you were smuggling the equipment in. I was wondering how, how first of all, how did you manage that? Um, I noticed in the book, you do talk about a period where uh, the equipment was getting a lot more sophisticated and obviously bigger. Uh, how did you, you basically, how did you know what to pack? That's a good question. Well, it started innocently enough at a Ramones concert when I was just a teenager and I wanted to take pictures of them. And, you know, a a bouncer just shooed me away and and pointed up at a sign that said no cameras allowed. And I was about to dump my equipment in my car. And I just went, you know, there's got to be a way around it. And spontaneously, this very first time, keep in mind, this is the 1980s, um, I was wearing sort of big um, tube socks. So I, you know, this is 35 millimeter equipment and I separated the lens from the camera body and put the camera body in one tube sock, the lens in the other one. And at this first Ramones show, that's how I got in. That was, and then after that, when I decided, and I was obsessed after this first show, it just launched me on this, 
six-year period where I shot over 10,000 photos of all the, the big acts of the period. Then when I <laughs> planned it a little more, I got more sophisticated and I would tape stuff to my legs. And then it eventually got up to the point where I had an old Navy coat that I bought at a um, thrift store that I modified so that I could hide the equipment down. It, the, the coat hung down almost to my ankles. I could hide equipment way down at the bottom of the coat <laughs> so that when I was padded down, nobody would check down there because all this equipment was way down at the bottom of the lining of the coat. Um, in terms of what to bring in, basically, I just got more and more greedy as as I went along. I started, you know, at the first show, like I said, with the Ramones, I think I just brought in a 50 millimeter lens, you know, your standard one with a camera. Then I started bringing in more equipment, you know, additional lenses, more film. Basically, I, I took it as far as I could, kind of ending up all the way to when I shot Prince. Uh, a few years later, I, I brought in... Um, uh, a, a giant 80 to 200, I think it was a Tokina lens. So right. uh, along with everything else, I tried to bring in as much as possible, basically, is the, the short answer to your question. Right, right. And, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing to me because um, I try to think about, um, you know, going to concerts now and, you know, between the metal detectors and everything else, it's just like, it seems like a near impossibility to bring in, um, I guess, something that you'd be proud of, of showing off. Um, and I, it's, it's just like one of those things that I was just like, man, I feel like I really missed like an era where you could really get away with this stuff. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, I, I guess so. You know, I was a teenager through a lot of it and it was just, it was fun. And I just kind of had the attitude of what's the worst that could happen. They'll just throw me out or they'll, they'll catch me. And, you know, most of the time I got away with it a few times. I had some adventures where, which are, you know, I talk about all of them in the book. Um, you know, that, that was part of the fun. It was just finding ways around it. And, you know, today now with, uh, iPhones, everybody's taking pictures. It was funny when the iPhone first came out like 10 years ago, I noticed at first they tried to police it. And now they've just kind of given up. You know, everybody's yeah. just snapping away all through the shows. And you even see like little digital cameras brought into shows. You know, they, they don't care about that either. They, they I, I, don't, I don't think they take kindly to 35 if anybody's ever actually out there shooting it. Uh, but you do see a lot of little cameras and obviously iPhones at shows today. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like um, I, I try to I try to be slick recently. Uh, well, not all that recently. I was at um, the Songs of Key of Life concert in Brooklyn a few years back. Um, oh, wow. And I was like. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to see how far I could push it. So I had this uh, 18 to 200 on a mirrorless body. So, you know, like it's a smaller lens. And, you know, I try to do the okie doke, show like the um, show the security staff, like the small kit and try to plug that in at the once I got got to our seats. And, you know, like I got that. I know I was reading in your book when you were at the Duran Duran concert and you got like that firm hand on your shoulder. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, so when I read that, I was just like, I was, this is like, I was like, yeah, I know that feeling. Um, you know, yeah. just talking a little bit about that, like, you know, what, what goes through your mind? Like not, not the times where you're able to pretty much be unbothered and you get all these shots. What runs through your mind when you, uh, when you basically got caught? You know, I, I just kind of, it was just part of it, you know? I mean, I kind of, I don't know. I, I, I you know, because like you said, I had a crazy adventure, Duran Duran, and I got chased around a couple other times. You know, it was just part of it. It's just that wonderful thing of youth that, you know, you I guess you think you're, you know, you, you, you can't get hurt. And I, I never felt physically threatened. You know, when, when, they, when they yanked me out of the Duran Duran show, 
Uh, it, you know, it was definitely an intense moment, but it, it all happened so quickly. And, you know, I, I, they didn't take me like if, if I had ever been like hauled down into a dark room, I might have started to panic. But with Duran Duran, they just took me outside the arena. So I felt safe in terms of they weren't going to they weren't going to hurt me. I wasn't happy about having all my film taken away and, right. you know, and, and yanked out of the show. But the, the whole thing just happened so fast. And the, as I you know, as I tell in the story, the, the security guards kind of after they would sort of neutralized the threat of me taking pictures, they kind of loosened up a little bit and. You know, they they just kind of looked at me as as a kid. So um, yeah, it, you know, the probably the scariest one was when I was shooting Joan Jet and having this roadie jump off the stage and come after me and barreling towards me. That was definitely one where it was pretty intense because as I you know I talk about in the book, he missed me and the, you know because I was able to hide my equipment and took down the guy next to me. So that was mm -hmm. definitely a little crazy. Yeah, that that's awesome. Like, and you know what? Like, I think what what um. What really comes out in not just the um, the stories, because obviously you know you wrote, uh, it's almost like a memoir of your times. Is that is that an appropriate description? Oh, absolutely. No, that was the goal. You know, you 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 sort of started with talking about the book coming together. You know, it was one of the things that when it was first mentioned about putting this book together. You know, I'm incredibly proud of the photos, and it's exciting. You know, nobody's ever seen them before, but. You know, I'm aware that these people I was photographing, there are other photos of them from this era. So I was always looking for something to make the book different. And when I realized, like you said, that I could almost make it a memoir and tell all these funny stories, because that was the stuff like, and you know, when I started, when this came up two years ago, and even back then, when I would tell people those stories, you could see people light up. You know, they loved hearing him. And I went, OK, that's that's how it can work as a book, because if I mix it with the stories, that's a fresh idea. Plus, also, you, I think you kind of even started to allude to this at the beginning of the interview. I also realized, particularly putting the book together, because that was really the first time I'd looked at these pictures in 30 years. Um, I did have a very different point of view of the concerts because I was shooting from within the crowd where all the professional stuff from the period, you know, you're up in the pit and you're practically looking up their noses. So right. that's not even, that's not the show that the audience is seeing. It's sort of an artificial point of view that, you know, that doesn't quite tell the story of the concert. And I realized that I had that kind of in my archive. I had some of these, you know, great pictures of you two and the police and Prince and all of them. And it, it was, you were really seeing the show as they presented it 35 years ago to the audience. Definitely. I, and, you know, again, to, you know, just as someone who grew up loving music and I'm, and I know in your bio, you, it is mentioned that, you know, you grew up with, uh, you know, the desire to be a rock star. I think like if everyone growing up between a certain period, you know, wanted that, you know, kind of like that was a fantasy, you know, like every, every kid was asked, you know, what do you want to do? You want to be on MTV. Um, right. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but just kind of, you know, just as a fan, like, I think, you know, you really captured the essence of what it is to, you know, to be, I guess today would be more of like a mosh pit type setting, right? You're like right smack in the middle of it. You know, you're you're seeing like tops of heads, but you're also getting these like killer shots of, you know, the bands that I guess. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong. Like these are like the bands that kind of influenced that period of your life. Oh, no question. You know, when when you know, particularly, and again, this is part of the memoir story where I eventually went pro at the end. Part of the excitement of the bulk of it when I was doing it guerrilla style was I only went to the bands I wanted to see. 
you know? Mm -hmm. And so it was, it was all these bands that I just loved. And I almost felt, I remember a responsibility, you know, where it was almost like the bigger the show, the bigger the challenge to get equipment in. But then I also felt a responsibility, the better the show, the better I wanted my pictures to be. Right. You know, I just, you know, it, it, it influenced me. It was my way of being part of the whole scene and being part of rock and roll. That's awesome, man. Um, so, you know, if you could, can you talk a little bit about that transition? Like at what point um, did you realize that this is something that it's more than just, you know, I'm going to check out my favorite band and snapping some pictures to I want to do this um, to make an income? You know, it, it just, again, I was, you know, all of the ripe old age of 20 when I think I finally built up enough of a portfolio and started working for bands. It just kind of was the progression. I just at a certain point, I was like, oh, I have a lot of pictures here. And I, I typed up a list of, you know, all the different bands I had. And I remember I was using, this shows you how long ago it was. Uh, I was using an old mechanical typewriter that was so old that when you pushed the period button, it would punch a hole in the paper. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, it was that mechanical. Obviously, electric typewriters existed then, but that was the machine I was using. It was one that had been in the family. And I sent this list out and a bunch of the magazines like called up and said, oh, my God, we want to see your portfolio. So it just kind of happened like that. And then I started shooting with passes. And frankly, I didn't, I didn't enjoy it as much. You know, suddenly I was being asked to photograph bands I didn't necessarily want to see and mm -hmm. I missed the excitement of sneaking the equipment in you know I talk about the first time that I shot an arena show as a pro and it was Howard Jones um, back then and I remember walking up and like you know just with a camera bag over my shoulder not having to go through the whole rigmarole of hiding stuff and and you know with my pass and going right in and, and it was just sort of a weird sensation and then being up front in the uh the pit and you're only supposed to shoot three songs, which I hated, you know? So <laughs> yeah. it, it, it just was, it was very antithetical to, to what I had been doing and I didn't like it as much. Yeah. It, it's, yeah, that, that's, that's such a shame because, you know, like I, you know, part of me wonders what, what would your, what would those images look like? Um, if you kind of got a mix of both, right? Yeah. Um, you know, th there's there's some of my pro stuff in the book, and I don't think it's as good. But I, I you know, I, it, it was starting to flourish when I had to sort of pull the plug on the whole thing in terms of the rock photography. And uh, there are times, you know, again, I talk about it in the book where I do kind of regret it. You know, it was just funny because even though I had this flourishing rock and roll career and I loved it. It, it I was going to study film. It was weird. It was just kind of like this is just going to be. I don't know, you know, again, it's, you know, I'm all of 21, 22 when I quit. So, or at least doing that, um, you know, I, I don't, there's no real good mental process to it. It's just kind of like, okay, well, you know, I, I have to choose one of these two things and I'll, I'll just continue on with the film career because that's going to be my career. This rock and roll thing is just fun. Meanwhile, it's just exploding, you know, yeah. it's, it's just weird. It's, it's one of those things that, you know, I, I, I'd love to go back and know what my mindset was back then, you know. No, definitely. Um, you know, I guess, you know, hindsight, you know, gives you a much better lens to look at everything that's kind of happened. Um, in your opinion, uh, what do you, what would you have done different? Well, I, I honestly, I, I, I think I wish I had continued the rock and roll career 
you know, I, like I said, I was, you know, I'd started college and I was studying film and it started to be impossible to do both because I was going to film school, but I'm getting all these calls to, you know, I relocated to Los Angeles to shoot shows in Los Angeles and I couldn't sustain both of them. So that I, I hung up the rock and roll photography, you know, after five or six years and I kind of wish I had continued, you know, I mean, I don't regret, you know, the, the film career stuff. I had a great, you know, adventure with that, but I guess maybe, maybe I, I regret not trying to sustain both of them a little longer, you know, but I, I obviously was plenty busy doing the film stuff too. So uh, I just didn't, I don't know. It's just weird. I just didn't see a way to sustain both of them. It was too much. Yeah, definitely. You know, that's kind of the plight of the creative professional, right? You're, you know, I don't think any one creative type sticks to just kind of one medium or one format. They kind of have their fingers in multiple pots at, you know, at any given time. And it's just trying to, I guess, time management is, is I guess, the best way to describe that. Yeah, no, I mean, that is a good point. It's like there, there is no there is no plan. You're right. It's just being a creative person. It's like, well, I love photography. I love rock and roll. I love filmmaking. You know, you're just constantly moving from one thing to the next. And like I said, it was just sort of exploding. It was taking off. So that's when it was like, whoa, I, I, I don't have the time to just do this one. I'll have to throw it, you know, I'll have to choose one of them. And, uh, you know, and I picked the filmmaking. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Um, <clears throat> before, um, I let you go, I do appreciate you taking, you know, the time out your, out your morning to, sit down and talk with us. I, I just have to ask, like, if you had to give any advice to, you know, any up and coming photographer or someone just kind of starting, starting off, uh, what would you tell them? I would tell them shoot as much as you can. You know, that was the, that was the thing where if you look at the progression of my work, you know, I realized that, you know, the more I shot, the better I got. And the smaller shows when, you know, there wasn't much at stake, you know, like getting into a club was often easier sneaking in in terms of like a bigger show or at least just from a photographic standpoint, you know, when you're shooting a band that isn't necessarily known as opposed to when you're suddenly working for a magazine and shooting a famous band, the little gigs are where you really get to learn how to do it so that when there's a lot at stake, you're prepared. So that would be my advice. Shoot as much as possible and approach the smaller gigs with the same focus as the bigger ones because the little ones are where you get to learn how to do it. And you get to frankly screw up without there being any damage to your career. You know, you can make the mistakes on the little ones so that you don't make them on the big ones. Awesome. Well, Julian, thank you so much for taking the time out again. Please let everyone know where they can find you online, find your work and also where they can order that book. Sure. So the book is No Cameras Allowed. My career as an outlaw rock and roll photographer. The book is available at Amazon or you can go to my website, juliandavidstone.com, where you can get autographed copies um, and you can follow me on Instagram. I've been sort of almost serializing part of the uh, part of the book by posting pictures there and telling a little bit of the stories. But if you, you want it all together, the, the book, the book is out there at Amazon or at my website. And uh, yeah, I, I, I think people will like it. It's a, it's a fun, as you put it, it's, it's almost like a photo memoir of that period. Awesome. Julian, thank you so much for taking, um, taking the time to talk to us again. Um, everyone, oh, yep. Everyone make sure to check out the book, juliandavidstone.com. Also look it up on Amazon. We'll make sure to provide links in the show notes. So we look forward to, uh, hearing your thoughts on that as well. Julian, thank you so much. Have a great afternoon.
appreciate you coming back. Uh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. It's been great speaking with you. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. This has been another episode of The Noisecast. Uh, I'm Alberto. You can catch me on all the social media under at A-L underscore W-R-I-T-E. And thank you once again to our friend Julian David Stone for taking the time out of his busy schedule to chat with us about his book and uh, his other projects. You can Be sure to check out his book at juliandavidstone.com. Make sure to look for it in Amazon. It's called No Cameras Allowed, My Career as an Outlaw Rock and Roll Photographer. Thank you. Um, be sure to check us out next week. We will be doing our spoiler-filled Avengers Endgame, um, I guess, kind of review. We're just going to talk about it, to be honest. See, you know, it's been 11 years. You'll get to hear all our thoughts about that. So thanks again, and be sure to check us out next week. Peace.